yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Leia Healthcare. Looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, on this week's show, it's part of our Life Lessons series with some of Ireland's most respected and most famous personalities. I love these episodes. I love people. I'm fascinated by them, what makes them tick, how they ended up doing what they do in terms of work, and what lessons we can learn from them. They're some of our most popular episodes that we do, and we're delighted to have an amazing guest on today's show. You'll know him from the TV screens, having shot to fame on RT series at your service, and of course, Francis Brennan's Grand Tour. He's the co-owner of the Park Hotel and Ken Mayer, and author of best-selling books on home management and travel. Francis Brennan, welcome to Real Health. How are you? Nice to be here. So, first of all, how's life? Uh, you're down in Kerry. Obviously, we're in, level, we're in level three now. Times are challenging. Tell us about how life in Kerry is treating you. Yeah, life in Kerry is a bit not good this morning now, to be honest, right? We're at the hotel business and we're dithering whether we should close or not because we took like hundreds of, well, over £100,000 worth of cancellations yesterday. Wow. Because we're closing down after three weeks. It runs into the bank holiday. We were sold out. And, you know, so it's a bit of a, a quandary this morning as to what to do. So I will, I'll be with the brother later on. We'll just discussing what exactly will happen because uh, we're not sure whether we should close or what because we can only take people from Kerry. We have a terrific Kerry and staycation value out there at the moment, or if you can stay two for three or 175 euros a night per person, dinner, bed, and breakfast. So we've done those things, but you know, how, how many people in Kerry could support us? I'm not sure. Um, so we're kind of dithering. So not the greatest morning to be talking, but listen, we still keep our hearts up and look to the future. Were you all, always an optimist? It's an incredibly stressful time for yourself, for John, and for the staff of the hotel. Yes, you're bright and breezy as a button this morning. You're, you're, you're yeah. full of the joys of life. Is that, we always like that. Always, yeah. My mum used to say, uh, when I was a kid, you know, I was in hospital quite a bit because I had a bad old leg. I used to be in there to cap at my mum. said, I was never, ever down. I was always, oh, that's fine. I have to go to hospital. Oh, we're going home. Great. So I suppose in that sense, I was, I was just like that. I don't know how it is or why it is, but that's the way I am. And is this one of the hardest times of your career so far that you've seen the uncertainty, the opening, the closing, the borders, the level twos, threes, fours, whatever? Presumably well, it's one of the hardest times you've come across. Absolutely. And it's continuing, you see. And we were out of it and now we're back in it again. And we have staff situation, six staff maybe they should say, sorry, gang, 25 years ago for the moment. Because there just is no business. I mean, we can't hold all our staff and you know, all accommodation staff would probably be about 11 or 12 of them. We can't have them. There's nobody staying. So if there's nobody staying, there's nothing for them to do. So it is a, a very stressful time. And for them as well, because they're going home to their families with no job. And, you know, and it's just, it, it, people are a bit down at the moment. So we need to keep our hearts up this week. So if anyone is listening in, is in Kerry, we will tell them to check out your website and to book a staycation in the, the park in Kenmare <laughs> and pay you a visit for some optimism because they'll be in need of it. And as well, as will the park hotel as well. Yeah. Um, 
I suppose. Well, maybe years like, ago, you know, just to think, there's something on years ago, I don't know what it was, some, some, some restriction or something as well. And I put up that we would take people, Munster passport holders were the only people <laughs> that would come on this offer. Okay. This man rang up from Kinsale to say that his wife was English and she had an English passport. Would she be allowed in? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd take any nationality and you the truth of it. <laughs> I, I, I suppose putting business to one side for a second, it is a hard time for businesses around the country. We've all had to adapt and had to try and change our ways in any which way possible but especially for hospitality but i suppose there is somewhat of a flip side in terms of there is a little bit more time to spend with family with friends uh and to also maybe you know have a look at business about how the business can change and how the business can adapt and you would strike me as someone who's very good at adapting yeah we do. We, uh, i can adapt personally now because we were in i was you know we were in the lockdown earlier in the year april manager I came back from America on the 16th of March, having been in 19 airports in the three weeks before. So if everyone, if anyone was ever going to carry the COVID, it would have been me, all right? <laughs> so I locked down for two weeks, okay? And then Leo brought in the big lockdown. So I ended up being locked down for 15 weeks, where I only could go up or down the road from my house. Now, I did right on the Ring of Kerry, just off the Ring of Kerry. It's not a good road for walking because it's quite narrow where I am and the traffic would be... I wouldn't walk today. Well, today maybe there'd be no traffic, but like in normal times, it's too much traffic. So I wouldn't walk it very often because it's not an easy walk because you're all the time moving in from cars, moving in from cars. But of course, there was no traffic during the time I was there. So I used to do a two-mile walk every day. And do you know what I reveled in? The ditch. People would say, what? I used to watch every day to see where the daisies coming, where the dandelions out, the blackberries started, um, there was heather, there was... Uh, and then, come June or July, we had uh, wild strawberries, and they were absolutely gorgeous. So I, I reveled in the ditch, as the fellow said, as I walked. So I kept myself, like, optimistic to see. The only thing I didn't want to see was the mambrisha. That's the orange flower in Kerry that we get in the ditch. Because that always signals to me coming towards the end of the season. And I didn't want the season to end before it even started. So I didn't see any mambrisha. Yeah, so it has been a time of, of reflection and of kind of, you know, of, of, of simplifying life in many regards. Absolutely. Well, people would have been at home with... They had more time for their garden. They had more time for their children. I'm sure there's loads of fathers that, that would have been with their children that, that just couldn't believe the time they had with them. So there's an upside to everything. And that was the way I looked at it too. Like, you know, I got, I, I finished the diary that we're talking about. I got man, I got that through the system, all right? Um, and I got it to Gail, the, our publisher, two weeks before. Would you Go believe away. it? <laughs> yeah. And you know yourself, if you, you've written a book. Have you done a book or two yourself? I've done, a co- I've done five altogether, yeah. yeah the, 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 that deadline is always frightening. It always hangs yeah. over you until it's done. Of course it does. Here I was two weeks in advance, so that was great. Uh, Deirdre was saying, oh, it's in, it's in. the book is in. Because I had loads of time to do it. Yeah. So that was it. And, you know, and I, and I did a lot of gardening and I did walking and I did things. And I was just, listen, I just said, this, if this is it, we just live with it. But I'm lucky that I have that mind that can do that. Because I know the work of people that would be, in, you know, in, in, would be not able to spend time on their own as much as I had to. But uh, my niece used to, Ruth used to drop out my groceries because I didn't even stir that far. So listen, we survived. But we're back again now. We're not sure what's going to happen now. So we'll have to see what the week brings. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna chat about TV in a little while, and obviously the books and stuff as well. But I, I want to start off with you know finding out how you got into doing what you do, to doing what you do, which is you know a debate like myself. I'm a personal trainer, lots of other stuff going on. But for yeah. you, you're a hotelier, uh, yeah. and how did you get into that? Was that something you always wanted to do? Was it something you always enjoyed, or how did you get there? Well, the hotel side is very interesting because I remember when I was 11, mom and dad were intending to sell up in Dublin. Dad, my father was a grocer. He had a grocery store. He was going to sell up in Dublin and they were going to move to Sligo to my mother's 
home farm and build a guest house. And they'd all the plans done and everything else. My father had got married in the 50s and he had got one of those tailey coats that, you know, Fred Astaire wears in Singing in the Rain, that type of jacket coat. And uh, it was always in the wardrobe and I used to dress up in it. And then when we were building a hotel, immediately I thought, oh, I can wear the tailey coat all the time because <laughs> I thought that was all that had to be in the hotel. <laughs> so I was so delighted. Anyway, the banks wouldn't give me the money and we never went to the hotel in Sligo, so it never happened. But since, that, since 11, I always wanted to be in the hotel business. And then I worked as a kid you know, uh, summer jobs in the step in, in, in step aside. And um, I worked at night then when I was in college, weekends, like working on the floor. And I used to just love it. And then when I finished school, I went to Calgary Street and I got a, a degree through Trinity, the business science degree through Trinity and um, the rest is history there. But I always knew I wanted to be in the hotel industry, which I think was so lucky as youngsters, there's 18 year olds today, starting college, God bless them, changing courses this week, starting college. And they don't really know what they want to do even yet. So I was very lucky. I always knew I wanted to be in the hotel business. And what is it that you love about it so much? So, you know, I've, I've said, I've been lucky enough to stay in your hotel. It's an incredibly warm place. It's a, it's, it's a fantastic place to stay. But there's a warmth about it that comes from yourself and John being around all the time and being so happy and upbeat and being, you know, what, what, what do you get from it that you love so much? I just like connection with people. You know, even when I was a kid, like I worked in dad's grocery shop, you know, and I was always dealing with people. And I used to always love that, you know, so that was when I was seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. all those years I was with people all the time. And I just, I had my mother's disposition, which was chatty and always happy. And uh, I, I just, I just ended up then going to the hotel business, but probably my nature would have been very much suited to that. I remember I went for one of those, you know, very high tech, this wasn't a mistake. You know, we did one of these, you had to pay 20 pounds for it. I remember asking mum and dad, should I pay it? I had my own money. Should I pay the 20 pounds or not? Because it was like a lot of money to pay for one of these assessments, right? And when I went to this, I did that. You had to tick all these boxes, you know, like nowadays it's multiple choice in the call, but those days it was really odd, okay? So anyway, I did that all the multiple choices. So when I went to, for the interview, the guy said to me, now, first of all, he says, never take a hammer in your hand. Because <laughs> whatever, with electrics and mechanics, I was completely wrong, all right? He says, but he says, if it's to do with verbal skills, he says, you will excel. So he was absolutely right. Now, mind you, I've improved on the toilets and the plugs and things since, because in the hotel business, you have to get kind of handy, if you know what I mean. There's always something going astray somewhere. So I have improved in that area. But anyway, the, he said to me, verbal skills be your thing. So that's just the way it worked out. And, we, and if we, to give it to a tip to anyone who's listening in, it, it, to start with, it's around finding something that you love to do that you really, really genuinely love and follow, follow your good instinct to, 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 into a work yeah. in that area? I think so. And I think youngsters are afraid sometimes to say they'll do, like, they think they have to do high tech and they think they have to do whatever. And, you know, the, the, the ordinary jobs, I mean, there's somebody needed for all the ordinary jobs in life, okay? Be it the hotelier or a waiter or whatever. I mean, other na nations look upon the hotel and hospitality industry as being a real career. Here in Ireland, we kind of like drift in and out of being a waiter, but... Like, if you were looking for a head waiter today in Ireland, they're not easy to find because they don't continue. People, do, all, all of us do it in college time and all the rest, but we don't necessarily go forward with it. But if you have that, you know, if you're not interested in academics or tech or anything like that, the hotel business and the hospitality business is brilliant for you. You can progress. It's all up to yourself when you get in. And looking back now, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Would you follow the same route? Would you follow the same, the same, the same, the same map? Or what advice would you give yourself? 67 now, right? And do you know what I say? If anyone asked me that question, I wouldn't change a thing. And if I died this minute, it, my life was fantastic. 
And, you know, all the gurus in the world are looking to be able to say that. And I sit here thinking, yeah, I'm lucky now because I can do, I really believe that. If I drop dead now, my life was fantastic. What are the highlights then of it? So is there anything that stands out in terms of, was it opening up the hotel the first day, succeeding in the first year of the business? Or, you know, what are the highlights along the way? All the opening the hotel and all that was all like brilliant. Now then I bought the hotel, like that was even better still. Like, I mean, that was like unbelievable at 24. I mean, I didn't pay any attention to it. And, you know, I didn't tell anybody when I bought it, funny enough, because everything was the same as before, as afterwards. And what was the difference? <laughs> it didn't matter that I was the owner. No, it was really funny like that. And then one of the, be- one of the best things that we won was the Egon Rowling Hotel Award of the Year, which is, uh, at the time, was like higher than the Michelin even, okay, at the time. And we were the hotel, the best hotel in Ireland and England. Like, it was great now to go back to. We were actually... I was traveling with a group of friends and I left them early because I came back to London for the awards. I knew we were in the top three, but I didn't ever think we'd win. But when we won, it was just unbelievable. But the, the joke, the thing was, there was nobody there only myself, not one person, because we, we didn't ever thought we were going to win. And I didn't know I was picked for the final three because I was away. We were away on holidays and I had to come home early. So like nobody came from the hotel with me or anything like that. So here I am standing in London with this big plate, which we still have, lovely plate uh, award. And like nobody there only me. And I'm thinking, oh my God, we won this, you know. Oh, but then when I came back to the Cork Airport, they had a reception for me, which was really nice. The airport had a bit of a fuss, you know, because well, it was great to, 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 to win in all of Ireland and England. You know, I know other hotel had won it before. So it Where did great. the ambition and the drive come from? You say, you say it very nonchalantly as if, oh, we won this award and I bought the hotel at 24. And people listening are thinking, 24? I barely know what. 24 year olds, you know, wouldn't know what they want to do with their lives generally. And you bought a hotel, you'd, you, then you'd, you know, you built it to win the awards. Where did the drive come from and the ambition come from? I, have, I, don't, I don't know anything about drive. I just do what I do. And today, today is the very same. I don't ever think about, like, I'm not good at planning out. I never sit down and say, and I'll own this and I'll own that. Other than I knew I wanted to be in the hotel business. And everything else just falls into place. And th- there's a man above, of course, with whom I believe in very much, right? The God above. And he's so good to me. Like, he looks after me. I mean, I just land on my feet every time. And I think, oh, my God, he's great. Yeah. And I'm lucky to have a faith as well as everything else. So I'm just one of those lucky people. And was religion, your faith, always important to you? Yeah, always, yeah. Like, we could be anywhere. We could be in Russia or we could be in, uh, where would you be? That would be funny, Patagonia or somewhere. But I always try and find a church on Sunday, always. And we always succeed, you know. And over the years, that has been great too because you meet a community of people where you wouldn't meet anybody before. And, you know, especially in America, they're great in America. You know, like, you could be in Wyoming and I go to Mass on Sunday because it's Sunday and then... They, they have this tea and coffee downstairs afterwards. And then when they hear you're Irish, oh my God, they're so excited by Irish people in America. And of course, I do have an Irish accent, which I don't know anything about. But they love my Irish. I mean, the Americans say to me, oh, don't stop talking. We love your accent. You know, like keep talking, Francis. That's no trouble in him. But keep talking, Francis, because we love your accent. So the church has been great because I've been invited to homes all over the world when you be away, someone say, and I'm always, not always, but often, away on my own because I would be doing sales calls with tourist stuff and all the rest so I could be there so I'm bringing they said you come home come on, you know come on would, would you like to come on then they're delighted to have an Irish man to visit you know so uh, I like, I just, my religion has been very important to me yeah. you're listening to Real Health with me Carl Henry in association with Leia Healthcare my next question is about why Kerry and how did Kerry take to you? So, you know, you're full of beans, you're gregarious, you're quite flamboyant. You're, and then as a dub, you rock into Kerry uh, to, to, to work in the hotel. Yeah. How did, how did, why Kerry? And then how did Kerry take to you? 
I'll tell you how, how it came to Kerry. First of all, I was in college in Bruce Street. It was Christmas time. The partner still a great southern hotel base near Sneem. Wanted staff. So myself and the, the mother girl uh, went to, on the train from Dublin to Killarney. I remember we got into the back of a Ford Transit van with no windows. And there was all supplies in it. There was fish and there was beef um, from FX Buckley. Oh, yeah. The judge with FX Buckley, you know, the, the, the butchers of Dublin and whatever else. And we got into this van and we took off. Now... Uh, we, I had never been in Kerry before, ever, okay? So we drive from Killarney to, to Park Nassilla, which is three miles further than Steam, over the beginning of the weeks, okay? And, yeah, but that was pitch black dark. <laughs> so we couldn't see a thing. And I thought, as we drove and drove and drove and drove and drove and drove, drove, I thought, there could be nowhere this far from Killarney. Where are we going, all right? So then we arrived at Park Nassilla. And that was a Christmas I worked there. Then I came back the following summer. And then the what you call it, then um, thereafter, what you call it, um, the, uh, the, I got really well into Parkinsilla and then I went down there to work full time. There was a man near there that had bought the Killarney or the Kenmare Park, uh, Great Southern. Okay, it was sitting idle for four years. He was developing it. He wanted me to, he wanted me, now I'm only out of college, I wait to read, right? Uh, and he wanted me to be the GM. I said, forget it, I don't know half enough. Yeah, so I went to work in Cork afterwards then for two years uh, and I opened a hotel in Cork which is always a great experience to open a hotel you have to remember everything including the two course, yeah. so it's a quite a big job it's quite a big job to open a hotel uh, so I opened a hotel in Cork and then two years later your man came back and said that he had a Swiss manager that couldn't understand Ireland because we, they made an appointment for 9 o'clock on Tuesday and the helicopter <laughs> 5 o'clock on Thursday. But that wouldn't worry me one bit. That would be fine. We would get over that, right? But he couldn't cope. So he left. So he came. So I went to Kenmare. That was 1979. And uh, I worked for him for four years and then he went bust. And then I leased it for two years and then I bought it. So like, that's how I got to Kerry. I, was, I, I just happened to go for a, a Christmas job and I never left. Well, I went for two years to Cork. But, um, but I love Kerry. I just absolutely love it. And know? I suppose change has always been something in your life that you've been really good at. Uh, when I think of the hotel, you guys opened the spa. You were probably one of the first hotels in the country to open this amazing spa before anybody yeah. else got into it. Well, it was interesting about the spa, I'll tell you, because the list was made to list. So we're in the hotel and it's 1980, and then John comes in about 1988. I can't remember. I've <laughs> on dates, but he came at the end of the 80s. And then we're into the 90s, and we had lovely guests and all the rest. But they were all elderly, okay? And then we noticed that we were losing a few people because they were too old to travel or whatever might happen. So we decided, I, I always say, and I talk to colleges sometimes, and I open up by saying, we built a spa because all our guests were dying. <laughs> and everybody sits up thinking, what is he talking about? Well, we had to take our average age of our guests down because we were ending up with uh, the higher end of the, of the age traveler. Okay? So we were losing people all the time. Okay, rather than revisit like the whole thing is retention, I guess, and get them back and get them back. So we decided we'd build a spa, I remember. And I had spoken years before, years before that now. I had done been talking to um, pe- people in Montreux that were very keen that they would open up a unit at the Park Hotel Kenmare. They had a unit in Marbella and they had a unit in, in Switzerland, but they wanted a unit in a temperate climate, which is what we have here. And uh, I went out to Switzerland to meet the man. It was all hush hush and don't say a word. I sat in a little room all on my own, and then they brought me in. And then they were explaining to me all about their treatments. And the biggest treatment they did was okay, they take the placenta from a lamb after the birth, okay, and inject it into your spleen. Now I nearly <laughs> fell off the chair because I thought, oh my God, we'll have the IFA, the Irish Farmers Association at the time, would be at the gate 
with placards because I'm taking the placenta off the sheep off the Kerry Mountains. And I just moved back very quietly. I said, thank you very much. Not keen on this. Okay. So I never did the spa then. Then five or six years later, we met Susan Harmsworth. You may have come across her spa girl, whom I had met at a conference. Lovely lady. I really like her. And she had done lovely spas. And I said to John, if you're over opening a spa, go and talk to Susan Harmsworth. She put us right. And that's how we got what we have. Because we have the most, well, not the most beautiful spa, I suppose, but a beautiful spa, uh, which will, it, it, it reminds me of Frank Lloyd Wright building. It doesn't age. In 20 years' time, it will be exactly the same. We only use the rock that we took out of the ground. We fashioned it and put it back into the building with glass and wood. And that's it. You know, it's so simple, but it has a lifetime and it won't age. And we do a very good spa business. Yeah. And then the next big change that came along was, of course, television and jumping into TV in terms of at your service and everything else that's come off the back of that. Where, where did that come from? And did you always want to get into TV? No, not at all. Not completely uninterested in TV. Wouldn't I don't even watch TV very much. But the TV situation was, I'll tell you how it started. First of all, I, was, I had bought a house downtown, a small little house. My head chef lived in it for years. And then John, when he came to Kerry, lived in it for two years. And then it laid idle. There was nobody in it at all. Lovely little house on the back street, okay? Um, so I, I, I was sitting watching the news one night, and there's an ad afterwards. If you have a house with a project or anything or anything or whatever, 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 ring this number. I thought, oh, I should do that the house in Rock Street. Yes, that's where it was positioned. So I didn't write down the number. I left it. But then two days later, three days later, I was watching the news again. And here it came up. So I wrote down the number. So I phoned the next day. And the girl said, you have to send in an A4 page with what you proposed to do with your project. And we'll evaluate it. So they got over 400 applications. And like three months later, they came back and said I was one of 20. And then they came to interview me. And they were really surprised because I had a file which I always do this. If I see a nice table, a nice chair, a lovely window, a lamp, I tear it out of the magazine and put it in this file. So when we came to build a house, I knew what I liked and it was all in the file. So I, I knew the door handles and everything that I wanted. Okay? So I was, they thought I was really organized and very available to go. So we did, they did six houses as a project for a show, one hour show each. And I was picked for that. Okay. It was brilliant television because I got in trouble with the county council. I got in trouble with the builder. <laughs> I got in trouble with water supply. Brilliant television. And Gronya McAleer, I don't know if you're... Do you, know, do you have any... I know Gronya very well. I certainly do. Yeah. She's one of the RT ladies out there. Gronya uh, said to Waddell Media, who are the company that produced Astro Service, when they came to propose the show, she said, we'll do the show if you get Francis Brennan. But they didn't know who I was. So I was away in America at the time, actually, and they phoned John. And John, when I came back, John says, I've arranged for you to do a TV show. I said, oh, I'm not doing a TV show. So they had to pers- come after me, come after me, come after me. And eventually I said yes. And the rest is history now. And do you ever get stressed, uh, worried, concerned about what people think? No. Plenty of no worry in my life. I never worry about <laughs> Okay, because everybody spends, like, they're all worrying about, you know, uh, Christmas now. The whole country is up in arms about Christmas, right? I'm not, I'm not even thinking that. Listen, by the time you get to next week, you know, it could, everything could be fine. There'd be a vaccine and everybody would be delighted and Christmas would be the normal. So what would I be worrying about Christmas today for, you know, in the first, first few days of October? I don't know. I don't worry too much at all. But I have been lucky, I suppose, over the years that things go my way and, you know, I, I have been lucky. And is that something, I suppose we, we, we interviewed Michal Omar-Herjig before, that was one of his key things in life. He was like, don't worry, just don't, it'll all be yeah. okay, don't no. worry, and don't, don't sweat the small stuff. And in terms of tips for people listening in, that's 
by the sounds of it, a key tip for life. I have a thing called plenty of no notice, right? <laughs> like, so so is sick. Just the no notice, so she'll be fine tomorrow, and she is, all right? You know, like, what are we going to do about that, Mr. Brennan? Don't worry about it. Like, it'll be fine. And, in, and like, I'm, I'm 67, everything was fine. Nothing ever went wrong. It might have been not the way we wanted it, or something might have changed, or we weren't as busy as we should have been. But we get through it. So what would you be worrying about? And it's, ama- it's an amazing way to go through it. I'm picturing, you're, you're sitting there, you've had over 100,000 euros worth of cancellations coming yesterday. And you're like, you know what? It's grand. I'm, I'm, I'm in admiration of, of, of that approach. It's fantastic. No, I, 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 I'm not being flippant about the, the 100,000 or anything like that. But what can I do? I can't do a thing about it. Yeah. You know, like it was never, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed for all the people that were meant to come because they were looking forward to their few days away. And perhaps some of the work they've got home since April or May. And here they were all set to go and all of a sudden it's cancelled. You know, now we are lucky because what we generally do with that, we try and move them forward to the next available date or whatever. So we do try to give them the opportunity of coming in at another time. But a lot of people, now I know John had a couple of weddings, small weddings lined up and drunk in a manner his, his place out the road. Um, like 40 people or something this week and next week. But they're gone now too. Of course, they're down to 25 and you have to be within the county, of course, so yeah. that's a total change. But your, your, your approach to life generally, and we've seen it on the TV show and, and you can almost feel it from the books when you read them, is plough on and it's plough on positively and just do your best and Absolutely. just keep going. Well, there's no point of being pessimistic and oh, down, down, down. I watched a movie yesterday, all right, just uh, A River Runs Through It, okay? Oh, yeah. And it's a lovely movie with the two brothers. There's the Brad Pitt is the gangster fella and the, the other lad, all right? And just their faces alone, like Brad Pitt is sunshine every time on the screen because he's like, God bless him. It's a lovely film, beautiful, beautiful film. But the brother is so serious. But the contrast between the two of them is just brilliant as two faces. Always worried, not a bother. And it, it just shows up lovely. And is that a reflection of yourself and John? I know, John, no, no. John is good. Well, he, yeah. John, John thinks, like, never stops thinking. He's always, like, <laughs> I sometimes say, well, you just stop thinking, John, because, you know, your mind is going 90 to the dozen, you know. And he, he, he wouldn't be a great sleeper. He could be up at, you could get an email from him at 3 o'clock in the morning now, John, because I was thinking that, you know, or maybe we should <laughs> John, you should be asleep. And then we got, and then you got into books. And of course, the latest book is out now, The Homekeeper's Diary for 2021. Just give us a couple of quick tips for listeners around, you know, how to keep your home and how to keep your home well. What are the simplest tips you can give? Okay, the best thing about the diary is that the front 25 pages will give you loads of information for life, inverted commas. Like you have your doctor's number, your PPS number, your blood group, okay? The plumber's number, because there is no point in worrying about the flood and running around the kitchen where the water's plowing out of the wall and you're thinking, where was that fellow? Was his name Johnny or Jim? You know, so that alone would be worth it. There's, there's, the one that's getting the most comments is that we have 60 symbols for, for washing clothes, all right? <laughs> People didn't know that many existed. Well, I didn't either, so we went looking, all right? But um, the symbols, and so the notes, and, and listen, and they're big. Do you know what I mean? The, you know, on the back of the, the shirt, you're thinking, what's that? Does that say you can? You're of course, yeah, yeah. And the glasses are downstairs and it chants it and it shrinks, do you know? So, like, it's not, it's not worth it. So, we would, there's a lot of that sort of stuff in it. And then another one, this is very good for youngsters particularly. When you bake nowadays, you can pick up a recipe off the internet anywhere. Okay? But it could be an American recipe. And the American recipe refers to a cup of flour and a stick of sugar. Well, we haven't got a clue because <laughs> where are we going? So all of those things are explained. A cup of sugar, the equivalent in, in uh, weight for Ireland. And the stick of sugar, interesting enough, if anyone travels in America and they buy a pound of butter, the butter comes in a cardboard box, uh, cardboard like wrapped around, okay? And there's four sticks in it, all the same size, okay? Four ounces each. 
So stick up butter is four ounces. And every American knows they don't ever have to weigh anything. And, you know, two ounces is half a stick of butter. So they know exactly where they're going. But of course, in Ireland, a stick of butter, we haven't got a notion. So we demyth all those sort of things. Our zip code, which is nobody can ever find where they want it. So I see this book as generally being on the kitchen table or in the kitchen, where you can always refer to it, or by the phone in the hall, whatever. So a one-stop shop for everything that you need to know for the house. Yeah. It puts a little bit of structure on life. But then we take... We, talk, we go through it seasonally, you know, like we start for recipes, we start with rhubarb and that sort of thing. So then we go on to later in the autumn, we have the apples and the blackberries, and then we go on to little notes, two or three mentions, the Christmas cake, the Christmas cake, because everybody wants to make it in November, but doesn't always do that. And I always say Christmas cake won't ever say no to a lovely glass of whiskey to be poured over it if you make it in November. It's lovely and moist then at Christmas time because uh, the... the, the glass of whiskey soaks into it and is very happy sitting there. So we put a few pointers like that out, you know, and then we have quotes and different things. So like it's, and there's plenty of space for you to write your own notes and you can, you know, it's, it's a reference as well as a diary. Fantastic. So it's called The Homekeeper's Story 2021. It's available in all good bookstores nationwide. Give us a little flick on the screen there now. There, you are. there we go. Fantastic. And it's published by Gil. And uh, as you say, it's in all, it's all good, good stores. Amazing. Well, Francis, it's been great to catch up with you. I haven't seen you for a long time, and myself and my wife will let me down, hopefully, when, when this is all over, to visit and support you guys as ever. Yeah, don't mum and dad too. Your own mum and dad. I will, of course. Listen, it's been great to catch up with you, and uh, safe, uh, keep safe over the next couple of months. Yeah. Folks, it's been a fascinating episode catching up with Francis Brennan. The Lessons of Life episodes always are why people end up doing what they do and what tips and lessons we can learn from them. As ever, you know where we are. We're available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube as well, and don't forget to rate and review. It's Real Health at Independent i.e. as ever we shall see you next week with more real health Leia Healthcare looking after you always proud sponsors of real health with Carl Henry